This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, once again, we are going to go over the passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. Now, it starts out, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. How can a desert rejoice? God restores, that's why. God is in the business of restoration. He makes everything new again. And David Guzik wrote about that after the judgment on the nations described in Isaiah chapter 34, God will bring a beautiful restoration. This promise was proved true in many ways and in some sense will yet be fulfilled. This promise was true in the immediate term when Judah was restored after the invasion of the Assyrians was turned back. This promise is true in the longer term, as modern-day Israel has turned the wilderness and the wasteland into productive farms and truly has made the desert blossom as the rose, and this promise will be true in the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy when God restores the ecology of the world after the end of the Great Tribulation and the Battle of Armageddon. So. There's three tiers of promises, and that's T-I-E-R-S, three tiers of promises in that one verse. Now, number two, verse two, it will blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Isaiah speaks of God's gracious touch. When Christ touches something, it blossoms. It sprouts and produces fruit. A life touched by Christ begins to bear fruit. It is no longer a barren shoot like Aaron's staff that budded in number 17 verse 5. It sprouts flowers, flowers and almonds. That's a real almond joy, if you will. If you sprout, thus should we not rejoice. I mean, if we are experiencing growth in our faith, if we can actually tell it when it's happening, shouldn't we be in the mood for rejoicing when we say, wow, this time this crisis came and I kept my head. I didn't freak out. I didn't bang my head against the refrigerator. I was okay with that. And so God must be doing some work in my life. Hallelujah, Lord. And I thank you for that. But remember to give credit where credit is due there. Now, this brings us to see His glory. We come to a place where we see the glory of God in almost everything. When you wake up in the morning and you see the sun rise, and it's a beautiful color, for those of you who are up that early, you see that it is a beautiful orange and red, and you say, whoa, praise the Lord, man, that is so beautiful. And then sunsets, which I see most often, when it's setting, there's this beautiful orange hue in the sky, and there's blue, and there's red, and there's purple, and it's so incredibly beautiful that you have to praise God for that, because who else can you thank for something that beautiful? Not my next-door neighbor. 
So you got to praise God when you see stuff like that happen. Now, in verses 3 and 4, it says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. When Christ touches something or when Christ and God arrive on the scene to bring about their transformational power, we gain strength and courage. God will come to us when we call to him. Whom shall I fear? Isaiah told us in Isaiah 26, verse 3, verse, verse three he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed and stayed on the Lord. When you have your brains focused and tuned into God's frequency, as it were, you're going to have that peace that comes with that. When you're in God's presence, which we always are, but when we're in God's presence and we know it, there should be peace. There should be tranquility in a sense that everything's going to be okay. I'm going to make it through this. Verses 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. There is that healing power of God. One of the Bible commentators writing on the site, Truth According to Scripture says, Quoting the verse first, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, that's a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. And dumb doesn't mean dumb. It means you can't speak. And for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. See what the presence of Christ does. See what the presence of Christ's people will do when he comes in them and with them. They make the wilderness rejoice. But besides that, the dwellers that are found in the wilderness, these lame and deaf people get the blessing. Oh, may God make us to be a desert to others of this kind where we can blossom and bloom and where our presence, our mere presence brings healing to those who are around us because there is so much of the Spirit of God working through us that God is touching those people through us. And Lord, we pray that that can happen often, that we can be the blessing to those people around us just because we're there. Now verse 7, The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty grounds or springs of water in the haunt of jackals where they lie down in the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Every place God touches becomes fruitful. When He's there and when He's touching things, it becomes fruitful and beautiful. Like it, the preacher wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, He makes all things beautiful in His time. He does that work in our lives. And the water in verse 6 brings forth reeds. And believe me, that's a plant that can only grow where there is enough water in abundance. So we are like those springs of water. Didn't Jesus promise in John 7, whoever believes in me, the Spirit will well up in him like springs of water. We are supposed to also be not just salt and light, but as Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered. 
We can be one of those who do the watering after someone has done the planting. And so we can be, again, God's healing touch for the world. In verse 8, God makes a way for those who are His, who are called. This means God will make a way. His way is holy, and if we follow Him, we get to share in His holiness. Spurgeon wrote about this. We might gather from our text that this way was cast up at great expense. For road-making over a long and rugged country is a costly business. It might be read, a causeway shall be there. It is a way thrown up and raised by art. Engineering has gone much to tunnel mountains and bridge abysses. But the greatest triumph of engineering is that which made a way from sin to holiness, from death to life, from condemnation to perfection. Who could make a road over the mountains of our iniquities but Almighty God? None but the Lord of love would have wished it. None but the God of wisdom could have devised it. None but the God of power could have carried it out. It cost the great God the jewel of heaven. He emptied out the treasury of his own heart, for he spared not his own son, but freely delivered him up for us all. In the life and death of the well-beloved infinite wisdom laid a firm foundation for the road by which sinners in all ages may journey home to God. The highway of our God is such a masterpiece that even those who travel it every day often stand and wonder and ask how such a way could have been planned and constructed. But only God's hand can do such a mighty and awesome work. Now in verse 9, this means that the Lord will protect us. Verse 9 says, No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. We have to remember that Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, said, Remember, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Well, it says here that that mighty lion will not be there. That, that lion that the devil pretends is now a toothless beast, and he can do no harm to you. God has banished him from the scene once God completely takes over. And again, when... God is with us. We do not have to fret over the devil. I think we give the devil way too much credit for stuff. Sometimes he doesn't have to do anything. We do it to ourselves. So all we have to remember is that Jesus is with us and that's going to be enough. And then, what does it say in James? Resist the devil and he will flee for you. If you continue to ignore his threats, he'll go on to somebody else because it's not working with us. So that's what that means there. We will have the power to resist the enemy in any and all situations. And the ransomed shall return. He has spared no expense in redeeming us. We're not junk in a pawn shop. We are gemstones and he paid a high price for us. He paid a very high price to ensure that his elect will come into his place. Now, Scott Hosey says about this thing about joy, indeed the final lines are astonishing. 
We are told that we'll wear crowns of joy because gladness and joy will overtake us. We will be overtaken by gladness, consumed by joy, captured by happiness. For now we have at best tiny inklings of what this will be like, but we have all experienced now and then that sudden rush of joy that comes from seeing someone we love who we did not expect to see at a particular moment. Think about that. When during your Christmas parties or whatever you're doing, someone you haven't seen for a while, a precious relative, shows up and makes their presence known and you haven't seen them for a long time. Wow, they're here. And that's what we're going to experience. We're going to experience that breathtaking, powerful sense and presence when the Lord shows up with His manifest presence. Why these last three verses outline the deepest desire of God. Verses 8, 9, and 10. He desires to take us out of our spiritual and mental desert for a life that is filled with His joy. Very clear there in verses 8, 9, and 10. We go from being out in the middle of nowhere into His presence, which is the most glorious place to be. And He's going to make it such that we will have everlasting joy. There will be joy now. It won't be some future promise. We can have joy right now in this very moment. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm-hmm.